Hello, I'm Martin Brown from Martin Brown's Marketing Bugle podcast, helping you market your business online. Thank you for listening. There are e-learning courses and other bonuses that you can take for free, which are associated with this series of podcasts. Visit my website, martinbrown.com for details. That's Martin with a Y. You can also join my monthly magazine, Digital Bugle, which is downloadable every issue by subscribing to my email updates. I'm sure you're familiar with the song Knocking on Heaven's Door by Bob Dylan. Arguably, it's one of the greatest songs of our time. It has been covered by countless groups and artists since it was first penned. What you might not know is that it was originally written for the film Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. The song plays in the scene where Sheriff Colin Baker, an ally of Pat Garrett, has been shot by Billy the Kid. Baker and his wife are down by the riverside in the final moments of his life and his death actually takes place off screen. So you could say that the song is about endings and death. But if you change your thinking slightly, you could actually say that it's about rebirth and new beginnings, the next step on a universal journey. It might mean starting the life you were always meant to lead. It could be starting the new business or job, bringing on a new set of products or launching into a new business sector. It might be more personal, moving in with a partner, getting married, starting a family, but as with all things, for something new to begin, something has to end. In our lives and our businesses, there will be many deaths and rebirths. Old ideas and concepts die hard, but they make way for the new ones. Yes, we could be afraid of change, but that fear isn't going to stop those changes from coming to pass. So why not embrace it as something new with potential to grow? We started our business to change our lives. Was it to enrich them? To get away from a scenario that was holding us back? Maybe we wanted to redress our life, work balance. But in a very real way, what we're all trying to do is get our own little slice of heaven. Where things come together and fit just right. So here's the lesson for us. We're conditioned to see the endings and to be fearful of them, to fight against them, to hold on to what we've had before and not let go. But each and every ending has to happen at exactly the moment for our new beginning to form. Sometimes it might indeed be painful, but it was always going to happen. You can choose to embrace and wallow in the pain of loss, or you can choose to take it as a lesson in life, learn from it, analyse its cause, absorb it, and then consign it to where it has to be, the past. Leave it there and move on to the adventure, the new opportunity. Apply the lessons the past has imparted on you, and before you know it, the next knocking you hear could very well be you knocking on the door of the heaven that you have been seeking to create. Hello and welcome. Joining me this time is Nick James, who is arguably one of the UK's most well-known and experienced internet marketers. He's certainly one of the most progressive and has won numerous awards, and I'm sure we'll talk about that during this session. Nick, it's great to connect. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Now, for those um, who aren't aware of you or your achievements, maybe you could just start by telling me a little bit about your background and how you got started. 
Yeah, sure. Because I'm certainly not somebody that's gone to university or had any kind of uh, marketing degree or anything like that. I've come through from what I call grassroots or the, um, I guess, the guerrilla style of marketing. I had to, to, to make something work from the beginning. But listen, uh, I, I knew nothing in 2000, 2001. That's when I actually had a chance meeting with somebody that was already uh, making money online, uh, making money in a completely different way than I'd ever heard of or seen before um, and it was a chance meeting with this guy and he basically just told me that he was making money by offering people things that were for sale and I know it sounds really obvious now but back then I was told that you had to give people your time you had to have a job you needed to go out to work in order to get a wage um, and that was that was a real turning point in my life because for the first time I had this huge illumination of this light bulb telling me that my income was no longer related or index linked to the number of hours I was working a day for a boss who, well, pretty much didn't like him and he didn't like me. So uh, I guess the, the, the first question then off the back of that is what made you want to do this in the first place? What was the thing that tipped you over the edge that made you want to embrace this new way of working? Okay, so I mean, the position we're in now is I run a business with my, my wife, and we turn over literally millions of dollars a year selling information products and software online. Um, and we do that in a variety of different ways. We can go into it a little bit later. But the thing that really got me started with this was the fact that I had actually gone through a breakup. My, the, 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 my partner, my little boy's mum, um, you know, we split up, we went through a, a, a sort of a bad separation. And it was at this point that I think somebody first introduced me to a self-help guy. I mean, you probably know him as well, Brian Tracy. And I was listening to a cassette tape from him um, called The Psychology of Achievement. And I remember he said to me, uh, oh, he said to me, he said on this, on this, on this tape, um, you need to learn to love yourself and you need to learn to educate yourself. Now, listen, I'm not into one of these... Um, uh, these kind of high five, happy clappy, you know, self help kind of mantras. Okay, but he connected with me. He said something, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm 20 years old and I fell out of love with educating myself. I didn't have a good secondary school or high school education. Um, and here's a man that's telling me that uh, I should. Um, I should put my energy into something because I'm in a very bad place right now. I should learn to forgive everybody else. And you know what? When I was coming out of that bad place and listened to him at that time, it was almost as if that saying of when the student is ready, the teacher appears actually happened because I threw myself into something that I knew nothing about and, some, uh, and really just um, embraced all of this new information that I was being given. Things like um, there's another way to, to earn money. You don't actually have to have a job and work for somebody else. You can, you can be your own boss. If you want to be your own boss, there are lots of models you can follow. You don't actually have to be um, somebody that's selling time for money. Um, and I was in such a bad place at the time. I didn't want to think about my personal life. I wanted to, I wanted to throw myself into something new to stop thinking about a breakup, to stop thinking about my money woes, to stop thinking about all the things that I, I didn't have anymore. Um, so I think I'm an avoidance of pain guy. Um, and I did everything to avoid the pain that I was feeling and threw myself into this wholeheartedly. Um, and that could have been you know, the, 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 a huge difference um, as, as regards to you know, the difference between an also-ran and somebody that really did want to hit the ground running. So how hard or how easy was it for you at that point to actually get started? I mean, you've got the motivation, but what, you know, how, how difficult, how easy was it for you right at the very start? 
Well, you know, I think a lot of these things, it comes down to, um, to, to consistency. And actually, when I actually think back, all I did was copy exactly what I was, I was shown. I, I had a mentor who, 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 who taught me how he was making his money, uh, how he was selling his products, how he licensed them, how he marketed them. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't find it difficult um, in the sense of the word, I didn't know what to do. But I think, that, and, and I didn't find it difficult in terms of motivation. So actually, I think the process for me was actually quite systematic, quite methodical. Um, and what I did find out was if I did what I was told, and I think this is really important for everyone to take away, if you do what you're told by your mentor, you follow instructions to a T, you should get what you're shown. It's, I think sometimes it's when we go off track and we change the recipe, we change what we're told because we think we know better. I think clever people change what they're told because they think they know better than the person that's teaching them. So in that regard, um, it took me a while to set up my first business, my first internet business. Um, I licensed my first product. I, I put some marketing together. Um, and I was quite fortunate enough that by following those steps to a point of what I call you know, marketing, you know, releasing the marketing products, releasing the marketing, um, I got sales very quickly. And then I had this learned behavior that, oh, if I do this again, I'm going to make more sales. So I just keep repeating what I originally done to make my first sale. So, Nick, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in this business? There are many things, but I think there's one key thing that I did actually write about recently when I was putting together a new book, um, Six Figures a Year in Info Publishing. And I kind of go in depth in this right at the very beginning because of its importance. I think on page 16, we kind of spell it, spell it out. Um, but essentially, it's the aim. Okay, But essentially, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that we're, we're always going to be adding value. To, to people's lives, we're, um, we're making a difference. Um, and as well as sort of adding value, making a difference, we're kind of you know, enriching people's lives so they get what they want as well. So it's a win-win situation for, for both people. And if you can actually be the person that others think of in a, in, in a favorable way, that each time somebody does business with you, they think positively about that, then you're going to be top of the mind for, 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 for the future. It's far better doing that than, than, than conning somebody, scamming somebody, um, and, and trying to think that you pulled the wool over somebody's eyes and you've got something over somebody. Don't do that. Be the white knight of your industry and be the person that, you know, you, you know, I don't know, love you, God, love thy neighbor, love your customers. You know, don't be the, 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 the person that people think of and talk of in a derogatory fashion. Um, I say it, it is an important part of business because profits in business come from the lifetime customer value. And if you set up the, the foundations of your business correctly, the ethics of how you trade online correctly, then it's going to come back and it's going to reward you tenfold, hundredfold in the future. As I say, uh, we talk about a little bit more in uh, Six Figures a Year in Info Publishing. And um, I'll tell you a little bit later on how I can make sure you get a free copy of that book as well with my compliments. Now, you do a lot in product licensing and PLR. Um, why is that so important to your business, would you say? I think you can get your first product to market 10 times faster if you license it than if you create it yourself. And I think if we, if we start creating things, we want to start perfecting things. And uh, to make something perfect, it never, ever you know, reaches that 100% you know, perfection. So we don't release something. And I remember hearing uh, Marlon Sanders you know, very long time ago, a wonderful you know, internet marketer, product developer, saying, half done, ain't done. 
So you have all these half-done, you know, half-finished projects. But if it's if it's half-finished, you haven't sold one. You can't sell any of you know ten half-finished products. Um, and and that's what I realised about product creation. You you tend to start something and not finish it. But with licensing, the thing's already created. All you need to do is make it you know look a little bit different, uh, put another another wrapper on it, um, rebrand it as we call it, give it another title, change the marketing out a little bit, and it's ready to go. A customer's waiting. Um, and it was, I, I guess, my I hadn't actually created a product until I'd licensed at least half a dozen products from other people. And I think that, again, was, was really useful. And what would you say is the difference between like PLR and product licensing? You know, just, just the differentiation between those, those two things. You hear a lot about this. So what are the differences? Well, PLR is a form of license, and it, it gives you the most amount of rights to be able to, to change a product. You, heck, you could even put yourself as the, the author or the product creator if you wanted to. Um, that's exactly what it is. It's a private label or a white label, um, or it, it, I, I suppose very similar to what's called badge engineering, I suppose, when um, somebody else could manufacture the products and you're able to put your logo or your badge you know, stuck on the front of it. Um, so PLR is a type of license, but effectively licensing really just comes down to permission to act or permission to duplicate and sell copies. You've got a... a, a, a a, a rights agreement. Maybe that rights agreement allows you to duplicate um, copies of a USB drive or a CD-ROM or, or, or a DVD or something like that. Or if it's republishing, it allows you to reprint a manual or a home study course or a book. You don't actually have to be the author. You don't have to be the person that created it. You just need permission to make copies of what's being created. And that's what makes it so much faster. Um, but you may be restricted if you just have a reprint rights agreement or a reprint rights license, you might only be able to copy it exactly. Maybe you can't change the title. Maybe you can't change the content. Um, so it could be a little bit more restricted. Um, but really, that's the difference between licensing and, and private label rights. And they, and they both have a place uh, in, in every digital marketer or internet marketer or information publisher's uh, portfolio. Okay, Nick. So what advice would you give to anybody who's interested in licensing a product? Well, I guess we were just talking about the difference between PLR and you know, licensing. So, I mean, the first thing I do is you need to check out the, 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 the permissions, what you can and you can't do with a particular product. And obviously, um, what it would be ideal. Let me run through some of the things that you should be looking for. Um, ideally, you want lifetime licenses. You don't want a time restriction. You want worldwide licenses. You don't want to have a territory restriction. And you also want to have the ability to... Uh, to rebrand, you need to make sure you can give it a new title. Uh, you can change the artwork for the cover, the wrapper. Um, and the other thing is, you want to make sure you've got this, all the, these rights, these permissions in writing. Don't necessarily rely on the fact you read it on a web page once. So if you've done that, the, the top thing, now knowing that you can sell it forever and you can sell it to the world, is you need to make your product look different to anyone else's. We live in an age where People want to be able to search for part numbers and product names and coupon codes in their favorite search engine. Your job as a licensee, because this is your, you know, there are two parts here. The licensor is the person that's selling you the license, and you're the licensee, the person that's buying the license and, and redistributing it at retail to customers. You want to make sure that you are the only person that they can find 
that's got this package for sale. So rebranding helps you to do that. And if you can go one step further, if there's one other extra bonus tip I can give you, it's to try and find something that complements this product you've licensed uh, or two things. And then you've got a package. And then even if your thing, your widget, your product, your version of this licensed product looks a little bit similar, it doesn't matter because you're the only person that's got these other bonuses or these extras that go with this core element of the licensed product. So that makes you look different by, by default. So nobody can find it in Google. Nobody can find it, you know, sort of by searching images. You are, you've made it completely unique, unique. And then it doesn't, you're not competing on price. You're now competing on, on the value that you're giving in the product itself. So, so I hope that answers that question because it is the secret between selling one or two of a licensed product and selling you know, hundreds, if not, in my case, has been thousands of somebody else's product. Now, when you got started, you said that you did a lot of product licensing right at the very beginning of your business. What challenges did you face at that time? Well, I think it was a learning curve at the time, but... If I if I'd say it wasn't a challenge to start with, maybe maybe we actually have the answer here. Um, but I remember that one of the things that I found out with licensing that allowed things to be much easier for me um, was the fact that I didn't have to prove myself and who I was when I was putting the marketing materials together. By, by that I mean I used to write about the person that was actually on back in those days. By the way, it was the licensing of uh, some VHS cassette tapes. And these VHS videotapes, they featured a guy who was ultra successful. So when I put the marketing materials together, I didn't have to write about how great Nick James was. I was writing about how great this guy was. And I think that allowed me to change the positioning I see a lot of people fall foul of, which is, why would people want to listen to me? How can I big myself up to other people? Well, when you license, you don't have to. And you can put yourself on the side of the, uh, the buyer by saying, look, if you and I have got any sense, we can actually pay attention to what this guy, this expert, this guru is doing, um, and we're going to be good, we're going to be okay. So it's a very different to sell the expertise of somebody else than it is to sell your own expertise. So that was really, really useful. But in terms of, um, of difficulties, I think I actually had a home run because I was able to swing things because nobody cared about me. They just cared about the product that I'd licensed. And I was able to ride off the back of it. So here's a quick question off the back of that. If you were starting again, would you do anything differently? Or would you still do what you did all, all that time ago, back in 2001? Well, things have changed. I mean, licensing is definitely the way that I recommend anybody starts uh, making money online. Licensing or affiliate marketing where you don't actually have to create the product. That's a huge, huge shortcut. Um, would I do things differently? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, you realize that um, when I started, uh, we were still selling VHS tapes and cassette tapes. Yeah, we hadn't even become DVDs, and we're, we're at the back of that um, kind of product creation already. But you know what? I, I was told that if I was selling a product that had a 30-day money-back guarantee, my original mentor told me to wait 30 days before offering a back-end or an upsell product. I mean, we wait what, 30 seconds before we do that now. So I definitely do that differently. The other thing that I do differently as well is I would, I, I would put continuity or recurring income or some kind of membership or you know, in, into a marketing funnel straight away. When I think back to some of the first products I sold where there was 
no back end. There was no recurring. Um, and some of these products, I sold 5,000 copies of these products. I mean, we were putting some good numbers through our books, but I'm thinking, oh, if only I had 10% of those 5,000 people joining a membership site and uh, you know, paying a, a repeat payment every month for more materials, I would be in a very different uh, place even now. They're thinking about that one thing. So that is definitely, I encourage something that everyone should do is they have to have reoccurring income in their business. I think one of the the key points as well is that one of the key questions that comes around a lot is that of self-belief, self-motivation. One of my questions would be, when you first started doing this, Nick, were your family, were your friends supportive of your decision to do this or were were they dismissive? Did they try and talk you out of doing this? I think my my family care about me, and they care. They, they I think everyone's family should, you know, that that share these these concerns that we sometimes get are worried about failure, are worried about oh, you know, are you doing something that you are you meant to be successful? And I had my fair share of that, um, and I, I guess I was. Um, I was the first person in my family to, to say, oh, you know, I don't want to be employed. I want to be self-employed. I was the first person in my family to, um, to, to maybe be, be the, the tear away of a, of a teenager that, you know, always didn't want to comply. Um, so I think in my nature, I always had this kind of um, this contrary point of view. So I think the more my family said you can't do that or you shouldn't do that, the more I wanted to prove them wrong. I certainly had a lot of that going on. Um, and because of, um, probably because of my nature, I just was, was, was stubborn, I think, um, and just did it anyway. Uh, I, I, sold, I sold things on, on eBay when I could. I, I licensed these products when I could. I, I studied the internet. And, and most embarrassingly, and I, I don't know if you can remember back to the late 90s and the early 2000s when you used to get discs on the front of PC buyer magazines. And my first online experience was actually putting an AOL CD-ROM that was stuck on the front of a magazine into the CD-ROM drive of my computer and plugging this cable into the telephone line. And I think I'd been online for three weeks before I found this button on this AOL homepage that said www. And I'd been surfing the AOL intranet for three weeks before I realized that's not online. Um, and, and I didn't have any members of the family or, or any friends that were prepared to tell me that I was making those mistakes. You know, I was, I was kind of ahead of the curve on that. And fast forward to now, you know, obviously your business is, is, is thriving. Um, you've achieved a huge amount. You've, you've won numerous awards as well. What are you most proud of, Nick, in terms of everything that you've achieved in your time online? I think the thing I'm most proud about is is putting both boys through a really good education. Um, and, uh, education, you know, I, I worry about the the education system and the fact that we're all told the same set of fibs um, in the fact that we need to go and get a job and work for somebody else. I, I want to to help everyone know that there is a world of e-commerce out there, and I wanted the boys, both boys, um, both Daniel and Josh, to to get a good. Uh, education so I mean there were school fees to pay so that's the probably the most proud thing that I can say is and I think we all want to be able to do well for our children and our grandchildren and our, the members of our family so that's probably the thing I'm most proud about um I know my, bro- my dad at one point was um concerned saying um you know isn't this all a little bit materialistic um 
and you know, I I did like the idea of you know big houses and fast cars and you know expensive hi-fi systems and all that kind of thing, um, and I've enjoyed those. But uh, that was maybe in a in a point in my life where I felt I had something to prove. Now uh, I'm really into travel. My wife and I, Kate, uh, Kate and I, we, we we like to go to Africa, America. Um, we just like to, to to enjoy the world. And uh, our business is now in a place where. It is ticking along nicely, you know. It doesn't matter whether we actually turn up to work, you know, or or, you know, or, or not um, from day to day, or where we work from in the world. But each year we have a choice that we we make, and that is, we say, you know, is the business still going in the way we want it to go? Do we need to, you know, re-navigate our ship? And there are two things that came up a year ago, and they, and they still feel the same thing. Number one is we want a completely transient business that if we close the MacBook. And we put it in a, in, a, in a backpack. We could run the business from anywhere. That's the first thing. And the second thing is we no longer want to employ anybody. Uh, we've, we've had commercial premises. We've employed staff. Um, now we'd much rather outsource to other um, self-employed, um, outsourced freelancers and be their customer. Receive an invoice from them on a regular basis. That's absolutely fine. But I don't want to be responsible for um, you know their their taxes, uh, running payroll, having um, you know buildings and and you know and, and overheads and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to be a traditional business. And it's actually uh, it, it intrigues me when people tell me that they want to learn how to scale their business, how to 10x something. And I think, okay, that's interesting. But is that really what you want? Are you going to be fulfilled and happy? if you have all of those those kind of liabilities that you need to satisfy. So just be, be careful what you wish for. Really good advice. And the the, the one of the one of the questions that I always get asked is is how easy or how difficult is it to get started? What what technical know-how do you really need in order to be able to start your own internet business? I'm going to shoot myself in the foot answering this one. Okay, you just need to know how to ask for help. You need, and so I, I believe this: if you if you have a computer that is online, and you know how to ask questions, and you need to, you know how to follow instructions, they are all the skills that you need. Google is your friend, um, and whilst I know we all want to have somebody that who we can um, that they can put their arm around our shoulder and they. What have you? Um, ask questions, whether it's either in a, a discussion forum or asking Google or searching YouTube. There is an answer out there, and as long as you're w willing to be inquisitive and search for the answers, you, the world is your oyster. I've never known in the whole history of the, of, of, the, of the planet such a wonderful time for anyone to start a business. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you are. Uh, you know, sitting at home uh, with a, a, a tablet or a, or a laptop computer, or you're one of the biggest corporations in the world, where you're Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, whoever it happens to be, your website takes up the same space on somebody's device or computer screen, some of those huge corporations in the world. That's your shop window to the world. Everyone can be listed in Google. Everyone can take out Facebook adverts. Everyone can have a voice. Um, and, and, and the world has become such a small place because everyone is able to, to trade online now. Um, and I think that you know, all you need is that inspiration to say, actually, that's something I want to do. I want to learn how to put 
a buy button on a web page. So somebody can maybe put money into uh, my PayPal account or I want to go and, how do I take Visa or MasterCard? How do I sign up to a merchant account? How do I take these payments? Oh, that's how you do it. Now let me find out how I can put a payment button on a web page. You only need to get one person to click that button and say, yes, I want to buy what you have for sale today. And you've got your first customer. You've reached your, what I call your epiphany moment. The moment of which a complete stranger gives you money. And you think, if I can get one customer to buy what I have for sale, I can get two, I can get 10, I can get 100. And then you're, you're away. It's like learning to ride a bike. You, you've, you might wobble at first, but when you know, you, your parent lets go when you, and you pedal furiously, um, you feel like the king of the world. So your advice, I guess, is don't overcomplicate things. Just take the necessary steps to move yourself forward one step at a time. Absolutely. Remember, people are begging to be shown what to do next. Can you create a product, an information product, whether it's a, a written manual or a series of videos that show people how to accomplish something, how to, to do something? And then you just need to go to those people and say, would you like to buy what I have for sale today? And a percentage of those people will say yes. I mean, if you know what the problems and the pains and the difficulties that somebody's having in a particular niche, and you understand that that keeps coming up time and time and time again, that's called a marketplace. Now, I'm not promising that you could, you're going to make a million dollars by tea time. That's, that's not how this works. But if it means that you can reach your epiphany moment and get somebody to, to make a purchase from you and you provide value to that person, and this is key, that you actually have to, to, to enrich their life in some way, you want to leave them thinking, well, that was a pleasant experience. I learned a lot from that book, that manual, that video. Um, I wonder what else I can learn. Um, and, and then you've left the door open for a second purchase to take place. And that's where the real money gets made. It's great advice. And in terms of the process that you go through whenever you do this, Nick, could you maybe just run us through, um, you know, step one, step two, step three, just again, so we get an idea of, What's actually involved in this? Okay, so let's let, let's just very quickly look at step one. Make sure you have a license to start with that, that provides you the permission to do this rebranding. The next thing that I would do is I'd look at the title of the product itself, write it down, and then try and write as many different titles that would fit. I'll give you an example. There was a, uh, a product that I licensed, I don't know, 10 years ago by a guy called uh, Jeremy. And I think it was called One Day... Uh, product creation. My rebranded version of this turned into the 24-hour product formula. It's the same product with a different title. And to do that, sometimes you, if you're good with words, you might be able to, oh, one day is 24 hours. This was about creating products. This is called product formula. You might be able to come up with that. If you can't, use a service like the thesaurus.com. Um, where it'll give you synonyms, it'll give you other words that are similar to the word that you've told it, um, and you may well be able to therefore come up with a new title. So I would definitely do that. The next thing is um, find a graphic designer. Um, don't feel necessarily that you have to do all of the work yourself. Now, personally, I believe I have been blessed with the graphic design skills of a three-year-old using jumbo-sized crayons. If people were judging uh, my products based on my graphic design, it would not go down very well at all. It would look like a, a picture that would be stuck on the front of a very proud grandma's fridge, 
with, with magnets and somebody's come back from kindergarten. It wouldn't look good at all. So what I would suggest is go and brief um, somebody that is used to creating the kind of images that you see uh, for ebooks and home study courses. Go and find um, a graphic designer on a website, perhaps you could go to Fiverr, um, F I V E rcom maybe uh, freelancer.com. Um, another one is called Upwork, U P W O R K.com. Um, these are all people that um, are freelancers that are probably much better at graphic design than, than, than um, you or I. So that's something that you can also do to, to outsource the, 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 the wrapper of the product itself so you've got a new name and you've got a new title and then marry it together by going to your favorite domain name registrar whether it's godaddy or namecheap or wherever and make sure you can go and get the domain name for that product whether it's a .com or a .net um, if you can't get those two i would actually rethink um, i wouldn't go for anything that isn't .net or .com at this time purely because uh, consumers aren't ready for it they think if you buy a domain name that finishes .co, that you've mistyped it and there's no M on the end. If you buy one that's specific to your country, you're alienating half the world. So .net, .com, make sure you can get the domain name. Try and avoid one with hyphens if you can, um, because otherwise it comes a question of, uh, is it a slash, is it a dash, is it an underscore, is it a minus sign? You know, you know, how, do, how do you write it? So try and make it all one word, um, all lowercase. and um, I guess if you do get a domain name that's quite long, then I would encourage you each time you write that domain name to make the first letter of each word a capital letter and it will stand out much, much more clearly. That's great advice. And um, not wishing to put you on the spot at all, um, but how many products would you say you have licensed, let's say in the last, last year or maybe the last five years? Oh, that's, you, that is because it, it's like Fight Club, okay? Um, how many how many products would you license? We license a lot, um, or we rebrand a lot, but we don't just work in uh, the internet marketing niche. We've got many different niches that we work in, so uh, we we do license a lot, and we also create and license to other people a lot. We have uh, newsletters that we uh, rebrand. We've got other courses that we allow people to license. We've got a lot of material. Licensing is a huge part of our business. Um, in fact, it's it's crazy you ask that question because whilst we teach licensing. I don't think people expect me where I am in business right now to still use licensing as heavily as I do, but I do. And that's a secret. So that's my club. And you've achieved so much in your career doing this. I mean, you've won multiple awards. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about that, but also my question for you, Nick is what's next for you? What, what do you do next? So it was it was a great privilege to be awarded Internet Marketer of the Year in twenty at the end of twenty sixteen, and um, that happened because I was invited to a, a an event with two hundred other digital marketers, internet marketers, and information publishers, and I was shortlisted to give a a thirty minute presentation. And during that thirty minute presentation, I explained how one technique can ensure that when people are responding to your marketing materials, you can guarantee to get a 100% what we call opt-in rate or 100% conversion rate for from prospects and visitors coming uh, and responding to your advert to, to joining your, your list. And it was something that had never ever been taught before. So it was a, a huge privilege because um, this was a brand new technique that nobody even thought of. 
um, and it just raised eyebrows. It, it got people to grin. Um, and whatever conversion rate other marketers were having, all of a sudden they were thinking, he's got something here. Um, and I still believe that this is one of the most closely guarded secrets uh, to the popular world uh, because it's just too valuable to be putting into an ebook or to be putting, uh, you know, putting out there for, for, for free. Um, and I think that's what really interested and captured people's imaginations. And it was, and this is the thing that makes me, me smile. It was something that I read in a very, very old book by Robert Collier. And I just updated it for the internet age. And, and it just goes to show that some of the very um, uh, old traditional marketing methods that even happened in the 1920s, the 1930s, are still as relative today. The principles remain the same. It's just the tactics that change. So um, that, was, that, that was the most amazing thing. Where, where, where are things, for me, um, moving forward? Where are things changing? Where are things heading? Um, that's a really great question. I love the way that the internet has evolved. Um, I think that we haven't even begun to see what the internet's going to become yet. And it's a very, very fast moving landscape. We, we knew that email marketing was huge. We know that these um, bot lists are very popular at the moment. We know that push notifications are there. Um, I, I think the internet is changing into a very dynamic place. And I think before long, you'll realize that the, the internet experience can be as individual for us and our experience online can be as individual for as us as we are. Um, so it's, it's going to continue to evolve and change. Well, you've achieved a huge amount um, over the last few years. Um, for anybody that wants to find out more about you, Nick, and how maybe you can work together, how can, how can we find you? What, what do we need to do to be able to find you online? Well, I've, I've recently put together something that I'd love to give away for free for absolutely everyone. And it's a book that you can get on Amazon um, for, for $14.95, but I'd like to give away a free copy for everyone because it gives you a wonderful introduction to this whole idea of creating something and selling it. And you get hold of that book uh, at sixfiguresayear.com. Um, more than happy to give you one of those with my compliments. Like a small contribution towards the international uh, shipping and handling to, to get that to you, no matter where you live in the world, whether it's uh, Timbuktu, Queensland, Australia, India, Asia, you know, Africa, wherever you are, um, more than happy to do that for you. Because it goes through in depth what I call these four keys to having a, a successful six-figure-a-year business. Um, everything from increasing conversion rates uh, so you get more people to say yes i'd like to buy what you have for sale today um, how to increase your profits um, so you're not just making a small profit you're making a substantial profit each time something's sold how to get more people um, to buy to buy more um, so it, it just goes through the the, the, the keys to, to to running a successful business and once again where can we get that book from just go ahead over to six figures a year.com six figures a year.com great nick james thanks so much for your time it's been a real pleasure to catch up my pleasure indeed and i look forward to catching up with you all again soon thank you for listening to keep up to date with all things marketing bugle podcast join my free email updates which includes a regular downloadable magazine to help you with your business marketing online visit martinbrown.com that's Martin with a Y.